What is good, Wrap It Up fans? Season 3 vibes. This is the Wrap It Up podcast. Wraps on Blast Post Game Show. And as always, this episode of Wrap It Up is brought to you by Clean Cuts Barbershop. 2013 Danforth Avenue in the east end of Toronto. Clean Cuts, the multicultural barbers that will always keep you fresh for any and all occasions. So go see Skip and the crew. As a wise man once said... Tell them that I sent ya. Check them out on Instagram at Clean Cuts Toronto or give them a call 416-917-4833 to book your appointments now. Wrap it up fans, you know what? I know everything's shut down, but I still show the love to Clean Cuts because when everything is back up and running, you know you gotta support your local businesses and Clean Cuts is one of the staples of the Danforth, so you gotta do what you can to support any and all local businesses when things get back to normal. But until then, stay safe, stay inside, wear your mask, keep everything safe. And then everything will be alright and we'll be back to normal in no time. But again, this is Wrap It Up. And as I said, Season 3 Vibes. For those that might be new to the program, this is the only live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show. Again, I'm going to say that again. The only live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show. And you can find us live on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. This show is for you, the fans. For those unfamiliar with me, my name is Sheldon Alexander and I come here with almost 20 years covering this game of basketball on different levels. It's funny as I thought about it watching LeBron last night, my first job in this industry was doing court cuts with my guy Dino, Brendan Lynch, the court cuts creator, producing court cuts way back when LeBron's rookie year. So watching LeBron take off and take and and just do LeBron things yet again for another season. What is this, year 18 for LeBron? It's just crazy to think about where it all began, but here we are. As I mentioned, been around for a long time, doing a lot of different things in and around the game, from court surfing to now, producing a show called Tim and Sid. You might be familiar with that. But here, this is what we've created, which is called the On Blast Podcast Network, featuring a couple different shows, including this. The Wrap It Up Podcast, where I break down what goes on after each and every Toronto Raptors basketball game, taking your comments and questions live. So hit me up in the comment section wherever you're watching. Again, you can find us on Instagram. People on that Instagram feed, if you go to the link in my bio, you will get the full stream with all the graphics, see the full set, all that fun stuff. You can get to YouTube and see all that, and you can still comment and be a part of the show there as well. So again, send us your comments and questions, because this show is for you, the fans. We try to create something that we call a safe space for Toronto Raptors fans to enjoy and discuss what happened in each and every Toronto Raptors game. So again, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in, especially the day ones that have been around since the first season of this Wrap It Up podcast. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And you know what? I know the Raptors lost. I get it. I understand. Raptors lose the first game of the season, 113-99. to And I just want to say it's okay. It's the first game of the season. No need to panic. Everything's going to be okay. Just game one. Everyone's still kind of getting into the flow of things, getting into the rhythm, and there's no shame in losing to the Pelicans. The Pelicans are a very, very, very good team. Can't emphasize that part enough. Brandon Ingram 
who was the reigning most improved player, showed why and showed that he might have taken another leap in this offseason because my guy was out here balling. 24 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds. It's just crazy work by Brandon Ingram for the Toronto Raptors, or against the Toronto Raptors, pardon me. And the Raptors really struggled in this game, in the second half anyways. You could kind of say it was a tale of two halves because the Raptors, they just couldn't get it done. They couldn't get any baskets when they needed them late. And we'll go through the game. Send us your comments and questions. I already see people filling in here on the Instagram live feed. I'm seeing some comments trickling in here on the YouTube stream as well. Really appreciate you guys and love to get your comments and questions for sure. So we'll take that. We'll, we'll, we'll get what everyone else is saying. And this is a free-flowing show. So basically, I go through what happened in the game, read what I thought, and then after that, we come back and we really figure out just what the people are saying. Try to get the vibe of what the, the folks are saying in the chat. So let me know what you guys think on everything that happened to your Toronto Raptors in this game. And I want to say there were some bright spots. There were some bright spots. We'll go through the game first. I want to say, you know, it was good to see Pascal Siakam get off to a good start. A lot of people with how Pascal struggled in the bubble and how he struggled to end last season and especially a tough playoff run. People were excited to see how Pascal would start this season, but also this is the season where that max money kicks in, right? It's no more about, is he going to take the leap? You're paying the money, so you want the leap to start now. And I think he got off to a really good start. He had five points early. He was super active. He was getting rebounds. He was getting assists. He was hitting threes getting to the cup, doing a little bit of everything. And I feel like it was good to see. And I want to emphasize this. I'm going to repeat this a couple times. There's no shame in losing to the Pelicans, right? The Pelicans are a legit, legit team. Because when you look at that starting lineup, we know obviously that they made the trade, that they acquired, they've got a bunch of new guys in their starting lineup as obviously they traded away Drew Holiday to the Bucks. But when you look at that Pelican starting lineup, there's also a trade where they acquired Steven Adams. So now you're talking about a front line of Steven Adams and Zion. <laughs> when you're talking about just grown ass men, and I know that Zion is still, for all intents and purposes, a young man. But in terms of grown ass folks, it doesn't get much more dieseled of a front line than Zion and Steven Adams. But even just filling out the rest of that Pelican starting lineup, that starting unit for the Pels, you're talking about Eric Bledsoe, who they also got in that deal. And you're talking about an addition of someone like, I, I say an addition of Brandon Ingram, but it's not really an addition. He's just continuing to develop his game. Same thing goes for another guy named Lonzo Ball. I swear Lonzo must have heard everyone talking trash saying that his brother's probably going to be better than him because Lonzo all of a sudden came out and my guy was balling. He was shooting, knocking down threes with confidence. Hadn't really seen Lonzo, Lonzo play that well, but if you remember, the deadline to sign contracts for people in his year of eligibility passed, Lonzo didn't sign the contract. That tells you that he knows and he was prepared for this show me type of year where he was going to come out and ball out and he did that. So we'll stick with some positives here because it was a positive start for the Toronto Raptors, right? 
as mentioned, Pascal off to a great start. I thought that was really good to see. But then you had Norm and Matt Thomas. And the Raptors bench is going to be really interesting this season. Obviously, last year, you had Norm and you had Serge as the first two guys off your bench. Nick Nurse relied basically on those two guys a lot for his bench minutes, especially when things got really tight, when it was winning time, right? You didn't really see much beyond the seventh man for the Toronto Raptors in games that mattered last year. So now this year, there's no surge. So what does your bench become? Well, early on, we saw the first two guys, as mentioned, Matt Thomas and Norman Powell. They gave great minutes. I thought the bench came in and did exactly what you need your bench to do. Come in and give you a spark, give you some hustle plays, give you, you know, they came in and it was a, a straight, they got a great run off their bench coming in and then Boucher follows suit. Boucher comes in and my guy's just hitting the offensive glass, doing what he has to do. And it was great to see Boucher come in and give energy because that's what he's going to have to do to earn minutes. It's going to be straight hustle, straight energy guy running the floor, getting on the glass, making plays. And it was good to see hustle and scoring from the Raptors bench. It was a great thing to see. And especially with Boucher, you're seeing his game sort of develop a little more here where he talked about it, right? Sometimes he got a little trigger happy in terms of shooting the ball every time he got it. You're seeing him think things through a little more, take a pause, figure out what he's going to do. And it's helping him a lot because the energy, you can't teach that. So it's, it's a tough thing to rein in, but at the same time, you want to see him get busy and get going. And he did that. That was a great thing to see in that first quarter where the Toronto Raptors ended up leading that quarter 26 to 23 after one quarter. And Norman Powell led the way for your Toronto Raptors in that first quarter. Norm off the bench with seven, Freddie with six, Pascal with five. But the key was the Raptors defense as they held the Pels to just 41% shooting. And that's going to be a theme as it has been throughout this entire time of the Raptors being good. I always point back to the Dwayne Casey pound the rock, but these games will be won and lost at the defensive end. And as you, you know, surge, you could get buckets with surge. Obviously, we know what Kawhi's resume is, but the point I'm making here is as you lose guys who are able to score so easily just by dumping them the ball, to stay in games a lot more, you're going to have to do it at the defensive end. And that's what the Raptors did in the first half. That was really huge. Another big thing in the second half, Kyle Lowry. Always been a theme during this run as well. Kyle Lowry's work with the bench. Mr. Lowry comes in in that second quarter and he gets Boucher going right away. He starts running that pick and pop with Boucher and it looked very familiar to what you saw with him in Surge last year. Boucher in his arsenal, you didn't really see him hitting that elbow jumper, but if that's something that he can do well at a high level this season, that's going to be huge for the Raps to add that to the rest of his game where my guy is just running all over the place and getting on the glass. So Kyle Lowry and the bench, right? Kyle hits a three, Kyle then hits another three. Kyle then hits another three and a theme for people who are familiar with the pod that we talk about all the time is when you see Kyle Lowry step out and hit that deep dagger three early, you know that it's going to be a good sign. We know that he's the engine for the Toronto Raptors, and we know that at the end of the day, he can make things go 
for the Toronto Raptors. He can get things going. And you want to see that from Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, what you're going to see at this stage of Kyle Lowry's career is you're going to see him pick his spots a lot more, right? He's going to look at the score and the time of the game and who else is on the floor. And a lot of times if he's on the floor with Pascal and Fred, he's probably going to hit open shots, you know, but he's going to sit back. He's not really going to force the action, but he knows when he's on the court and it's the bench, he knows he has to make things go. And that's what he did early on in that second quarter, 12 points in that second quarter, all on threes. At that point, my guy had 14 points, six assists, four of six from three, and just great set plays. Like one thing you saw from the Raptors early, which was a great sign was them being able to run good sets Bain setting solid screens to free up Kyle Lowry and to free up Fred Van Fleet to get good looks from three-point land. They ran some great sets, and Kyle was just knocking those shots down. And in the second quarter, things were looking good. Things were looking really good. Because on the flip side, the Raptors were playing defense. They're getting a lot of those defensive stops, as mentioned, where they're getting 24-second violations, and they head into the half, leading 57-50. to Kyle Lowry with 14 points. Siakam with 12. And I, I really liked Siakam's game in the first half. I thought he was really good and aggressive, but decisive with his moves. He's making great plays, not really forcing the threes as we've seen him fall into that trap sometimes, but you really liked that first half. And then the second half came along. And in the second half, the Raptors did start out well, right? They started off playing pretty well. Things were looking good to start off. And then I don't know what happened, but the Pels just, they flicked the switch. I don't know. That sounds so cliche, but at the end of the day, Lonzo just started knocking down threes. Zion's getting on the glass and they can't keep him off the glass. Zion's going coast to coast. It was an early, early 10-0 run that cut the lead to one. Raps tried to call a timeout. Didn't work. Lonzo, as mentioned, came back and he's hitting threes. Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe, Raptors fans are familiar with, right? Like we we know Eric Bledsoe's work from his time with Milwaukee. Eric Bledsoe, if he's shooting threes, you're okay with that. Not in this game. Eric Bledsoe, four of eight from three-point land. Lonzo Ball, four of eight from three-point land. That was just tough for the Raptors. The Raptors couldn't handle that. And when their backcourt is doing that, Bledsoe with 18, Ball with 16. Fred Van Fleet has to have a better night than going 3 for 12 from the floor, 2 of 8 from 3. Freddie only gave you 3 assists, only had 9 points. Kyle had a solid game, but you need more from Freddie Van Fleet. And the Raptors lost the backcourt matchup, and they lost the Brandon Ingram matchup too, because Brandon Ingram was just on a tear. Again, in that third quarter, Pelicans started that quarter 10 of 14 from the floor, led by three. The run ended up being 18 to six at one point when they took the lead. The Raps on the flip side started out 0 for three, or sorry, the Raps on the flip side started out 0 for 10 from three-point land in that quarter while the Pelicans are on this run, and they were getting some really, really good looks. OG Ananobi had about three wide open looks like the ball movement was there for the raps but they just couldn't knock it down and og had a pretty okay game right i think og when he's getting the ball and he's in the pain and it's in transition or he's cutting to the basket that's good my guy had eight points but he was 0 for 5 from three and this is what we talk about when you know is og gonna take that step 
because the Raptors need more from OGN and OB if they are going to compete in the Eastern Conference. They need OG to be at 14 to 15, 16 points per game. That's just a reality of the situation. So he's got to be better. He's got to knock down one of those threes, especially the looks that he was getting that were wide open. But an ugly, ugly, ugly third quarter for the Toronto Raptors. They started the half, in fact, one of 13 from three. Bad turnovers from Pascal. There was, there was a sign of hope as J.J. Redick and Matt Thomas were going back and forth in basically like a three-point shooting contest. But it just wasn't a good look for the Raps at all. And they were outscored in that third quarter, 38-22. to 22. So again, you go from the first quarter where the Raps held the Pels to 41% shooting and 23 points to the third quarter where the Raptors were outscored 38-22. to 22. You give up 38 points in the third quarter, that's just not a good look. And at that point in the game, Ingram's hot, he had 20 at that point. Lonzo had 16 at that point. Bledsoe had 17 at that point. And now these guys are confident. Now they smell blood. They've seen the ball go through and they're getting it going. Whereas the Raptors on the flip side, they weren't seeing the ball go through the hoop and it just wasn't a good sign for them at all. So the Raptors in that fourth quarter, they tried to make a push, but it just wasn't looking good at all. It just really wasn't. Baines was taking shots late and I don't know if Aaron Baines is the one the Raptors want to be taking shots when you're down late in the fourth quarter trying to make a comeback, but they couldn't get anything going. Ingram was just killing the raps as my guy was just, they they mentioned Tatum and it's an interesting comp. Obviously their body types are kind of similar in that six, nine range. You know, they got the handle, they got the jump shot, obviously dudes that went to Duke and just seeing how Ingram closed out that game for them, he finished with 24 points, 11 assists, and 9 rebounds, but seeing how he closed out, it was reminiscent of what Jason Tatum did to the Raptors to end their playoffs, right? Like, when the Raptors needed someone to make, when the Raptors needed someone to make plays, they didn't get it. When the Pelicans needed someone to make plays, it was Brandon Ingram. Shouts to Brandon Ingram, shouts to Jason, Jason Tatum, shouts to uh, J.J. Redick is what I was going to say, another Duke guy, but J.J. Redick also provided just solid energy for them off their bench as well, and I'm going to emphasize this, there's no shame, Raptors fans, in losing this game. The Pelicans, I repeat, will be a pretty good team. Look at their starting lineup, right? Lonzo, Bledsoe, Steven Adams, Brandon Ingram, and Zion. Then their bench, you still have J.J. Redick. You still have Josh Hart, who's a solid player, right? We know Josh Hart's work. Jackson Hayes gave them solid minutes last year, right? Our Canadian kid, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. We know that the Pelicans will be a solid team, right? They're, they're, and Stan Van's going to bring in a different kind of culture. Stan Van is bringing in a defensive intensity, an old-school way of coaching. They're going to practice hard. They're going to work hard. They're going to have to give it up on the defensive end. Stan Van is going to push them. And in the early years of Stan Van Gundy as your coach, teams take a leap. Now, after a couple years, it starts to wane on you, right? But early on, you're going to see the dividends from Stan Van Gundy being a coach and especially coaching a young team, but a young team that also has a good solid mix of veterans in terms of 
Bledsoe, Steven Adams, and J.J. Redick. It's a great, 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 great balanced team. And so the Raptors, I emphasize not to sweat this. Raptors lose. It was seven straight years the Raptors had won the home, the season opener. Seven straight years. So you kind of got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of got greedy. Kind of got, you know, taking it for granted maybe. Winning all these games on opening night. And the stat that they brought up at the end of the game I thought was very interesting was that the Raptors haven't been under 500. They haven't been one game under 500 since January 7th, 2014. That's insane, right? January 7th, 2014 was the last time the Toronto Raptors were a game below 500. So I say that to say this. It's the first game of the season. You have a team that has been building on sustained regular season success. So there's no reason why you shouldn't expect the same thing this season. But as I mentioned, if you haven't checked out our season previews at all, check that out. But we talked about it before. This is going to be a tough year for the Raps. It's going to just be a tough year. That's just the reality of the situation. They got a lot of things going on where, you know, you're losing vets, you're losing grownups in Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. And now you're replacing that and you're going to need consistent minutes from your bench and guys that aren't really used to having that much responsibility. And I'm talking about Matt Thomas. I'm talking about Chris Boucher. I thought those guys did their job on night one, but the flip side is if they're doing their part, well, the guys at the top got to do their part as well. And Siakam was okay. I mean, he had a great first half. The second half, not so much, right? Finishing with 20 points, 8 of 17 shooting. You like the ball movement. You like that he got six assists. That was good. You take that. But overall, you need more from Pascal. OG, 4 of 10, not enough. Freddie, 3 of 12, not enough. So you start and you take away from this. It's just game one. Raptors lose 113-99. And let's get to some comments here because I know there's some people here on the Twitter feed. And as I see here, uh, we got a comment that says the boys tried. OG doesn't usually miss like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a hope, right? The hope is that OG, OG, you know, he's going to hit those open shots, right? We know that OG is better than that. We know that OG is used to knocking down wide open shots. And so the, the reality is that you assume that OG is going to do that on a regular basis, right? You assume that OG is going to do that and he's going to put in the work. He's going to help the Raptors do their thing and knock down those open shots. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, right? You want to be able to say that OG Ananobi is taking that next step and OG Ananobi is doing what he can to help the team going forward and help the team win games right that's just what it's got to be so at the end of the day you hope as the toronto raptors you want to hope that you want to hope that the toronto raptors do their thing and they figure out a way that hey they're able to develop right you want to be able to develop and you also want to be able to say that hey we see a future we see things big enough for the Raps, and we see a thing where the Raptors will be able to step things up, 
and improve. Because at the end of the day as well, OG and Anobi, and I'll get to some comments here on the Instagram live feed because I see my guy K2's Garnett, my guy Kennessy back for another year. What's up, Ken? Glow girl smile. I see my regulars here. Uh, Dio's mom, what's up? Uh, I see a lot of people here in the chat. Appreciate you guys coming back and joining me again for another year. But I want to hear from you guys kind of what's your expectations for this season, right? That's kind of what I want to know, what I want to think people are thinking in terms of where the Raptors can be this season. Because I think that the Raptors will be in the middle of the pack when you think of the Eastern Conference in terms of, I just think a lot of teams improved. And if you start at the top of the East, you got Nets, you got the Sixers, you got the Bucks, you got the Celtics. Already, like, you got the Heat, then you got the Raps. The Wiz are going to be a lot better this season. Like, that's what I mean. This is going to be tough go for the Raptors here. So, as mentioned, let's get to some comments. Justin on Instagram says, OG needs to be better. Fourth season, time to step up. Fred stunk tonight. I mean, it's a bad game, but it's game one, right? You got to work out the kinks. And I'm going to be honest, right? As as tough as I think this season will be for the Raps, I'm giving them a bit of a pass in the sense that there's a lot that they have to deal with, especially early on. Like, I don't know if people are aware, like they're practicing, their practice facility in Tampa is in a hotel. There are guys that were struggling to find places to live in Tampa. So there's a lot going on for this team to deal with. And especially early on, you know, high level athletes like that are, are creatures of habit. And so the Raptors just need to figure out just what their habits will be in this new situation where they're playing in Tampa Bay. Like that's got to be so weird. So early on, I'm going to give the Raptors a bit of a pass if they struggle a bit out of the gate, because there's a lot that they're dealing with here. I mean, let's be real. They're essentially going to play all road games. Like Tampa Bay is not a home game for them. I know they got fans, but who knows who those fans are cheering for. That's just super weird. But yes, I do agree with you. OG definitely needs to step up. I'm totally on the train. I know people, you know, when you talk about OG, you talk about Pascal and people and Freddie even, people are like, all right, this is our core going forward. Let's see them improve. And for me, it's like, no, 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 no. The money is there. It's not that the money is coming. Like, you got the money. So you want the return on investment starting in year one of the contract. And I know that's next year for OG, but in terms of Pascal, you want to see that. You don't mind paying Kyle Lowry 30 mil because you know what you're getting from Kyle Lowry, right? You're paying him on past performance, yes. But also, you know once that man suits up, you know he's going to be cooking. Uh... Another comment here says eight threes between Lonzo and Bledsoe. Yeah, that was a lot. And and someone says, I'll take that loss if Lonzo and Bledsoe are hitting eight threes. I agree. Glow Girl Smile says second half was brutal. Also says she's missing Surge. Totally agree. And, you know, the positive signs here was seeing Chris Boucher knock down that elbow, that foul line extended jumper. If he can do that on a consistent basis, that will be huge for the Toronto Raptors because Serge averaged 15 points a game last year, right? Like that's a hole that someone else is going to need to fill. So let's see here. Bunch of comments here from my guy K2's Garnett, one of the day ones here. 
in terms of the comment section of the Wrap It Up podcast. Happy to see my guy back again. He says, we shot bad. We shot so bad. So many clean looks in the third. By the way, we are going to finish top four in the East. I saw your BS about sixth. Is a really good season. Shake my head. <laughs> so here's what I said. I said that, you know, there's a play-in tournament this season, right? And again, if you haven't listened to our Ball on Blast season preview, go check that out on YouTube or scroll up wherever you are listening to this podcast and you can hear us deep dive into the conversation a little more. But the basic premise of what I was saying about this season was that there's so much the Raps are dealing with. You're losing Mark and Surge, which that will affect them a lot more than what shows up on the stat sheet, right? That's a big deal. How is Baines going to fit in? That's going to take some time to sort out. Then add in the fact that you're not playing home games. You're in Tampa. That's a lot to deal with. I don't take that for granted. And so I think with that combined with the improvements made in the East, this is going to be a tough season for the Raptors. Now we know they play hard. We know they play solid defense. So they will be in a lot of games. And all I said is if they avoid the play-in tournament, which basically is a tournament which they're installing this season for the seeds 7, 8, 9, and 10. If the Raptors avoid the play-in tournament, meaning they come in 6th or higher, I said that would be a huge achievement. That would be a success. You got to avoid the play-in tournament because I think everything else this team has to deal with, we're not really going to know how weird it is to not sleep in your own bed for how long, right? What are you doing with your family? And oh yeah, you're in Florida in the middle of a pandemic. Florida, probably the COVID hotbed of the world, right? Like there's a lot going on with this Raptors team. So I'm not making excuses because I know they will overcome a lot of this, but I just am trying to say in terms of my expectations, I think the Raptors will be middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference playoff race and just avoid the play-in tournament. That's a success. Now, I say this all the time. I'm allowed to be wrong. Last year, I said the Raps would be five, six, seven, or eighth in the Eastern Conference. And I was wrong. And that's okay. Like, I want them to prove me wrong. I want them to be good. We do a podcast where we get together to talk about Raptors games. And you know what? The podcast is a lot better when they win. So I want them to win. <laughs> uh, more comments, though. Raps even opted for three preseason games instead of four. Raps needed more practice due to their new players. That's an interesting one. I mean, you got to balance, right? Because there's a lot of things going on with the Raps in terms of, um, as I mentioned, them trying to get settled in a new city. So do you want to squeeze in an extra game in which Kyle Lowry's probably not going to play anyways? You're probably going to have your bench guys get a run. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a tough balance, but I understand the point. It's an interesting point nonetheless. Um. Ken says the Pels are way better than the Raps. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. It's game one. Don't want to overreact to game one, right? Definitely don't want to overreact to game one. But the Pels did look really, really, really good. Um, more comments here. Nate Shepard on YouTube says, Missing a bonafide star hurts us when our offense goes stagnant. Totally agree with that. And that was part of the issue, especially when you saw how the Raptors lost in the bubble last year, right? Just down the stretch, what do you do in winning time? And the load for Kyle Lowry, that's a lot to ask for Kyle Lowry to do night in and night out at this stage of his career. It has to be Pascal or Fred 
or Norm. Or, I mean, hey, everyone's telling me about the OG glow-up. This got to be the year. But the other part of not having a bonafide star is, I know people are going to hit me up about this, but not having Marc Gasol, who sat in the middle and helped with your ball movement, helped get Siakam or Kyle or Fred or OG easy buckets, that's also something that the Raptors are going to really miss. Just having another dude, having another point guard on the floor that's able to create plays. Again, look at Lakers Twitter and how jacked up they were during the preseason about some of the looks Marcus Gasol was out there making to their players. So it's kind of interesting. Um, John Doe, interesting name, says, Norm went 2 of 12 and him and Matt on J.J. Redick didn't work. I mean, Norm... Norm started out all right. Norm, when he got he came out, he was okay. He finished two of eleven according to the official box score. One of six from three. That's not good. But he was seven of eight. He got to the free throw line, and that's something that Norm needs to do this season because the Raps didn't shoot a lot of free throws. Pascal, there's a weird whistle in this game, but overall the Raptors got to shoot better from the free throw line because they got to get to the free throw line only 12 free throws attempted in this game and norm had eight of them so gotta be a better look than that from norm for sure uh let me get to some more comments uh okay here we go here we go here we go uh let's see which one should i go to first uh comment says why do you think the heat celtic sixers are so much better they are not even milwaukee lost their depth Home court doesn't matter. There is no crowd. Uh, we still have to travel. So travel does matter. But also, I believe that in the playoffs, you win with top-level talent, right? And so I think that the Celtics, the Heat, and Sixers, and Bucks, when you go into that series, the best, the best player is on the other team. And I just think that's a big deal in the NBA. Which kind of leads to the next comment here. Which says, what do you think of the James Harden rumors? This has kind of taken Raptors Nation by storm. <laughs> right? Um, so it started, I guess, we know what's been going on with James Harden, right? James Harden has asked out. The Rockets have spent a bunch of time leaking a bunch of stories. And, and they're trying to trade James Harden because James Harden's asked for a trade. And he's gone about it in a pretty terrible way. Going out and partying going out in the middle of a pandemic, not wearing a mask in whatever establishment you're going to. I don't, personally, I don't care that it's a strip club, but whatever establishment my guy's out here going to and not wearing a mask, what are you doing, right? Not smart. So my guy is trying to do everything he can to force his way out of Houston, which led to, at first, an ESPN radio reporter a lot from Houston, right? Local ESPN radio in Houston. He reported that the Raptors and Celtics were among the teams inquiring about James Harden. And in this Toronto market, it kind of caused a stir because there were some people that were like, okay, I'm not buying this. And there were other people that were like, yo, let's get James Harden right now. <laughs> and I fall on the side of let's get James Harden right now. I don't know if the rumor's true, right? If I'm, if I'm guessing what's happening, we know that Houston is just trying to add leverage. How do you add leverage? You bring in more teams into the equation that could up the offer from the team that you really want. 
So the rumor is they it was the Sixers, and they're arguing over, do you get Ben Simmons and picks or just Ben Simmons, right? The Raptors rumor obviously starts with Siakam. And this has Raptors fans divided, and I'll just say this much. This gives me the exact same vibes of the Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan deal. Because right now, we're thinking of it through the lens of, oh, we know what happened and we know the Raptors won the championship. But I'm here to remind everyone of what actually happened in the moment of the Kawhi rumors, for one, and then following the day of and the days following and early on in the season after the trade. I want to say that it was 50-50 at least and maybe even 60-40 Raptors fans and media against the DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard trade. Again, remove yourselves from the lens of right now and knowing what ended up happening. I'm saying go back to the moment. There were a lot of people out here saying, well, he doesn't want to stay. It's only going to be for one year. DeMar really likes us. We've seen him grow. Who knows if Kawhi wants to come here? All of those things. And my response to that is the same thing my response to that was the same thing that my response to this is going to be. In the NBA, you win with talent. You win with high-end talent. And the point of what you do should be to make your team better. When you get the better player in the deal, you win the deal. And there's no comparison between Pascal Siakam and James Harden. I'm going to emphasize this. This is not a knock on James Harden. Or sorry, this is not a knock on Pascal Siakam, just like it wasn't a knock on DeMar DeRozan. But when you're talking about Kawhi Leonard, or you're talking about James Harden, you're talking about top five NBA talents in the league. James Harden has finished either one or two in NBA MVP voting. Not, you know, all-star, not, you know, most improved player, MVP voting the last, what, three to four years? There were seasons my guy averaged 35 points per game. Also, all these stories that we're hearing now about James Harden partying in the strip club, if you follow the NBA, you know that this was always a thing. Everybody knew it was a thing. I wish I could find the quote now, but there is a quote from the article that the someone, uh, Tim McMahon of ESPN wrote, and there's an article from a former Houston staffer. I think it was an assistant coach. But it said, if they knew, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this is the gist of it. He said, if they knew that James Harden was going to, if they knew that they had a day off, right? If they, if the Rockets knew they had a day off, they knew that James was going to party. He was going to get on a plane and he was going to fly somewhere and he was going to party. But they were okay with it because my guy came back and he would drop 50 points and a triple double. So again, we all know what James Harden's resume is. We all know the stories of James Harden having his jersey retired in strip clubs in the southern United States. Like, this is a thing. And I just want to remind people of something. You don't really know what professional athletes are up to. And that's okay. We just know what James Harden is because he is that famous of an athlete because of his off-court antics, because of the swag, because of the beard, because of what NBA quote-unquote culture is, we know so much more about James Harden. So would I trade Pascal Siakam for James Harden? 
Of course I would. Because it's not even a question in terms of who's better. And whoever wins a trade, right? Whoever wins a trade, it's the team that gets the best player. And I'm going to remind you guys again of this quote. Quote, if they have multiple days off, everyone knows James is going to fly somewhere else and party. But he's going to come back and have a 50-point triple-double, so they're okay with it. And hey, you can say whatever you want about James Harden. You can say he looks like he's out of shape. You can say that. And I, and I know, and, and by no way, by no means, am I condoning James Harden going out and partying and James Harden being out at parties in the club and not wearing a mask. I'm not saying that that is a good thing at all, right? I don't condone that. I think that is stupid. But it's also a reminder for people to remember there are parts of the United States that aren't taking this thing seriously at all. Of course they should be. Of course they should be. But the culture of whatever we're doing here and, you know, the accountability that I'm hoping that we all have with our friends and family in Toronto in regards to this pandemic, I hope that, you know, the same energy people are having in coming down on James Harden for going out and not wearing a mask. I hope you keep that same energy for people around in your life. That's all I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, we all know that it's wrong. We all know that it's horrible. And is that the way that you should try to get traded? Of course not. Nobody's going to agree with that. But I still trade for James Harden any day of the week. I can trade for James Harden because at the end of the day, James Harden is an MVP candidate year in, year out. No matter what, James Harden is that dude. And the numbers don't lie, right? At the end of the day, like, think about this for a second, right? James Harden's led the league in scoring the last three years. 34 points per game. Sorry. Yeah, 34 points per game. 36 points per game. 36 points per game. That's, what did Siakam average last year? 22? And, and that was his breakout year? Like, come on, guys, what are we talking about? And this isn't a knock on Siakam. Siakam is going to be and is an NBA all-star talent. But what do we say all the time? Still got to make the hoodies. There's levels to this shit. And James Harden is just a level up. Again, and it's not even people are saying that he's a hog. My guy averaged seven and a half assists, seven and a half assists, 8.8 assists, and an 11.2 assists the last four years. I mean... I don't know what more you want. And I thought the lesson was learned that with from the Kawhi Leonard situation, you take the talent all the time. So, hey, I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to hear what people want to say. I get it and I understand it. But I'm interested to know what people really, really think about the fact that James Harden is a former MVP of this league, the best basketball players in the world. And why you guys think that now you shouldn't try to get one of the best basketball players in the world on your team after you saw what happened the last time you did it. Sometimes you just got to level up. Now, again, I'll, I'll wrap this part up by saying I don't really think the trade is going to happen. I think if you're Maasai, you probably just did your due diligence because it did come out after, not just from the local ESPN reporter in Houston, but also Mark Stein, who is a very reputable NBA guy who's plugged in, he works for the New York Times, he also reported that the Raptors were in the talks. But if you're Maasai, of course you do your due diligence because you wouldn't be doing your job otherwise. So I don't think that means that the trade will happen, 
but I wouldn't be mad if they did it. So, hey, let me know what you guys think. Do you guys agree? Do you guys disagree? Am I crazy? Do you want to ride it out with Spicy P and see what, what happens? A lot of people I'm seeing in the in the comments saying no. <laughs> Someone says, not beating LeBron, AD, Harrell, Gasol, Schroeder, and do what you want with a 33-year-old Harden if he will re-sign for 40-plus mil. Again, Harden is better than anyone on the Raptors, and the purpose of this should be to improve your team. I guess maybe the question is that I'll leave you guys with, and hit me up in the comments afterwards. Do you think Pascal Siakam will develop into an MVP, a legitimate MVP level player on the Toronto Raptors? Because that's a question you got to ask yourself. Because James Harden is that right now. Will Pascal Siakam get there? Do you think Pascal, and I'm saying legitimate MVP contender, not like, okay, he's getting MVP buzz because he, because he had a hot month. I'm saying end of the year, you finish in the top three in voting. That's the question you got to ask yourself. Because to me, you do the trade. And if you can, if you can, obviously depends on the pieces. People are saying the pieces that you'd have to give up. We trust in Masai that Masai is not out here losing a trade, right? Like I think it's fair enough to say that if Masai's pulling off a trade, it's going to be equal at worst. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'll leave you guys with that. But again, that was a good chat. Really appreciate that for sure. And also the last thing I'll say about Harden is I didn't like the move of what happened today where the Rockets, actually, you know what? I don't want to get into that. It's a whole other can of worms. That's cool. We'll just wrap this up right now and uh, let me know what you guys think in the comments for sure because I really want to know what you guys think. Uh, people are saying, we already have two PGs on the floor with Fran Fleet and Lowry. We have Flynn sitting on the bench. There's no excuse for lack of playmaking. I really agree with that. Um, thanks guys for all the comments. Really appreciate you guys rock with me again for season three of this, the wrap it up podcast, which again, you can find us live after each and every Toronto Raptors game, wherever you get your Raptors games or sorry, wherever you decide to listen to things online. I mean, you can put us up on your TV. You can put us up, um, on your phone, on your iPad, wherever you want to listen, wherever you want to tune in and get this Wrap It Up podcast because we are here for you. Again, the only live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show there is. This is Wrap It Up. My name is Sheldon Alexander. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get the podcast, wherever you see the podcast. Really appreciate you guys for rocking with me. Season three, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Wrap it up podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. And as I close each and every episode, I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post game show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Oh, blast.